You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. your daily delivery of all things dog pound, LGB on the LOB, Locked On Browns. And by the show that never ends, yeah, I think that accurately describes the Cleveland Browns currently. We're going to go on to the lens with John Lett. Uh, John Costco here. We're going to go through uh, you know, the last remaining parts of Sunday's debacle at home against Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, offense, defense, get some thoughts here from John about trying to right this ship as things are looking worse and worse by the hour. Um, it's to the point now where we are, you know, I guess living in a JV football land where we have parents chiming in. And look, I, I've never been a fan of players' wives chiming in either. So, um, yeah, just not looking good. Uh, NFL trade line today, Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Uh, we'll see what comes from there. Um, I'm sure Browns fans want to move away from seven players and acquire nine players and six draft picks because, you know, that's how all of this works. Um, John, first off, uh, Sunday, uh, offensive side of the ball. Look, there's – when looking at the grades, first off, uh, it was a miracle probably the way this team graded out that it was only a 15-10 to 10 loss. Um, when you guys first put up your original, you know, top five players for the Browns. And I think some people got excited by some names and didn't realize the fact that you know, one of the top five graded players was, I think, at like 71 or 69, which tells you that's not good by any means whatsoever. Um, but the passing game, John, you know, look, you know, for Baker's flaws, and they're certainly there. We've never denied that. When it came money time, it appeared to be going there. But the problem is, is you can only do so much, do so much as a quarterback. Um, yeah. So, you know, from an overall perspective of, of the team, they had a 63 overall grade, the worst of the season. Um, offense was a 57.4 worst of the season. Um, you know, pat pass protection was a 50.1 worst of the season. Receiving was 54.9 worst of the season. Run game was 58.9, which is second worst of the season after the Arizona Cardinals game. So, um, you know, even, even from a, an overall standpoint of how they played, this is, this was far worse than, than like even the Cardinals game from an offensive standpoint, defense played pretty well, obviously, I think when you, when you look at it, but from an offensive perspective here, they're, you know, I think Kevin Stefanski talked about this in his, you know, in his press conferences and stuff like that. Like they're just, there's missed opportunities and by missed opportunities, you're talking about drops. And then when there aren't drops, Baker not seeing like the open receivers that are, that are there. So you, it, some quarterbacks are able to overcome, you know, these drops, right? Like you, you look at, you know, when, when the chiefs were high flying and stuff like that, like against the, 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 the Texans in the playoffs, right? Like they started off that game down 24, nothing because they had some, a couple of fumbles and some key, some key drops and like third down. And a lot of quarterbacks just aren't able to overcome something like that. But, you know, it was basically like, you know, my thought process when during live of that game was like, this is, this isn't this game is far from over and i expect actually the the chiefs have scored like 28 points here in the second quarter because they are actually they were actually moving the ball and everything looked really good except for they just weren't catching the ball and you just can't expect these guys to, to, to keep dropping the ball right and and they didn't and they you know they ripped off like 50 some straight points or whatever it was baker in this offense 
they need everything to be perfect, which is a problem. And, you know, whether that's Baker constantly seeing the open receiver and going to the right reads and, and reading defense, or it's just Jarvis not dropping the ball. And then when you have the open receiver and you're finally hitting them, not overthrowing them too. So just everything was out of disarray with that in that regard. And, you know, one thing that, you know, people, when you, when you look at this, Baker had like six drops in this, you know, through six drops in this game or whatever. It's not the whole, it doesn't paint the whole picture, right? Like, like, you know, you talk about his, his scramble on that third down that he, he ran out of bounds and got the first down and, you know, pumped up the crowd because he was, he was, he got up from it and, and all that. But at the same time, he never would have had to take that hit had he just thrown the slot fade to David and Joku that was wide open. So like he gets a positive grade for that play because he generated a positive play getting the first down, but essentially he missed out on a potential like big time throw to David and Joku on the slot fade uh, who was, you know, had at least two steps on, on the defensive back there who had no safety help over the top. So there's, that's in my opinion, a missed opportunity. And then two, obviously two plays later, Jarvis, you know, fumbled the ball. So it's just like, it's just, you know, you didn't capitalize on continuing that drive. So just everything is just kind of like disjointed right now with this offense and they need to figure out, figure it out. John, we've seen the best of Baker, Baker Mayfield. We've seen the worst of Baker Mayfield. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say the best of Baker Mayfield has been, you know, basically I don't want to, you know, like, I'm not trying to, you know, disparage or degrade anybody here. Um, but with the basics, Baker Mayfield, we have seen a much better product. We have two wide receivers in the tight end right now for this team. They are making $42 million. Nothing is getting accomplished with these three players. David Njoku is the more productive tight end. Um, for intents and purposes, we've seen Rashard Higgins be the more productive wide receiver over number 13, number over number 80. Certainly at times this year, we've seen number 11 be the more productive wide receiver over number 13, number 80. And, you know, granted, you know, you know, whatever happens after this year happens, but the Browns for $42 million, John, have what rankings for these two wide receivers and what ranking for this tight end? Because the finances, the finances that are into it, when you're looking at this, you know, under the, you know, analytic lens that this team operates under, it, it's got to be infuriating, not just to the coaching staff, but to this front office, because this is a lot of cheddar involved. You're basically spending Tiffany prices and you're getting Walmart jewelry. Yeah. So when you, when you look at this year, this year is not good. It's Jarvis is 51st out of 121 eligible Odell Beckham Jr. 66 out of out of 121 eligible. The problem is, is that if you're not getting quality targets, too, typically you're not going to grade well. Like so, Donovan Peoples Jones is 62nd, Rashad Higgins is 96th, Anthony Schwartz is 99th. You know, like it's it's not obviously it's not good enough, right? Look at if you look at last year, Jarvis Landry graded an 84.1 when it's you know top 20, top 15 wide receiver in the NFL. So. Mm -hmm. Is it what, what's, you know, what's the problem here? I, obviously like Austin Hooper is when you, when you look at what he, how, how he was able to like generate his targets and yards and, and catches and all that stuff um, with the Atlanta Falcons, it was a lot of zone um, uh, like, you know, catching passes in zones and then getting some yards after the catch 
or check downs underneath the route and then getting some yards after the catch. Right. So for him, it wasn't beating man coverages. It wasn't get, generating separation. It was more schemed up stuff for him. And so they, they definitely overpaid for him. And I understand why, why they did that in the moment, because it was, you look at what the, the Browns had at the tight end position. It was just David Njoku, who's not a good blocker. And they, they figured, Hey, this is, this guy is a productive, you know, he's been, he was a productive uh, tight end with the, the Falcons and we can, you know, we can work with that in terms of, Hey, we, we got OBJ, we got Jarvis Landry. It's going to open things up for him and he can generate his yards that way. Clearly that hasn't come to fruition. Um, you know, even though we probably typically understand how he he's utilized. And so when you, you know, it's just, it, that hasn't worked out, but you know, you talk about the OBJ Baker thing, like they, you know, this is year three with these two together. They do not mesh well together. And it, to me, it stems from the fact that like, I just don't think Baker Mayfield trusts that OBJ is going to be in the position that Baker expects him to be, even when he is there in the right position, He's you look at it and he's double clutching on his passes. Like there was, you know, they talk about the Cardinals game. It's, it's kind of like when your kid already brushed their teeth and you're like expecting you have to tell them to. It's like, well, yeah, you're supposed to do that every day, but I don't guarantee that you're always going to do it. Right, right. And I but the thing Which is, is why like, the reason he ended up away from the Giants. Well, there's a lot I, of freelancing to his game. Yes, star, a lot of star production, but there's a lot of I'm gonna do it my way. I get that, right? So you had you had the like the ghost of Eli Manning being able to throw him passes and figure out how to get him the ball, and I and I get there's there's an element of like he does does freelance stuff, but like you look at that seam ball that he overthrew to him on you know down on the last drive there, like he ran a proper route, Baker double clutched it, took an extra hitch in the pocket, and then overthrew it and behind him as into the safety's leverage and stuff like that. And, you know, you throw that on time, you hit him in the, you hit him in stride. He potentially could score a touchdown there. And it's, it's that type of stuff where it's, you've got to be, I mean, that, that extra hitch there where you're just, Hey, I'm not sure it kills everything. Think about the Cardinals game where Baker took a sack um, and fumbled it on a scramble, like on a scramble drill, OBJ was wide open down, down the sideline. And he saw him went to, to th- and like, he went to throw it to him and decided not to like, he, he, he separated his hands and like pumped it and just didn't throw it to him. And he had nobody within 10 yards of him. There was no reason not to, to just throw it out there, at least give it a shot. And then the same thing happened on the next sack where he had a corner route by Demetric Felton that was open, and then OBJ was on a sh- on a jerk route underneath, and he could have thrown it to either one of those. Again, he pumped it, double clutched it, whatever you want to call it, and then scrambled out of the pocket, and then then broke his his clavicle or whatever you know his his shoulder. So he he just flat out just doesn't trust him, and you cannot play the quarterback position well when you're you're not trusting your your wide receiver. And this is, and this is not just only a couple of examples. Like it's, it happens continually throughout the, it's been, it's happened continually throughout the season. It's look, and there's two things that we know. Odell Beckham Jr. Is probably still a really, really good wide receiver in this league. We have no evidence to prove it, obviously statistically production wise right now, but you can't deny that. But the other thing you know is that Baker Mayfield is a much, much better quarterback when he plays without Aldo Beckham. It's obvious. We have a lot of this to work off. 
And it's, I'm not pointing the finger at 13. I'm not necessarily pointing the finger at six. If it hasn't worked by now, it's just not going to work. And now I think it's to the point maybe where you have frustration on both parts because Baker Mayfield is basically writing his contract extension on Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. is basically writing his next contract on Baker Mayfield. And maybe they get along, maybe they don't. But obviously it's something that everybody, it's no, it's undeniable. It's just not working. It is just not a workable situation. It is not the best thing for this team. It is not the best team, best thing for 13. Uh, but we're going to flip it up here. We're going to go to the defensive side of the ball here. There were a couple of you know nice efforts on the defensive side of the ball. And I think as a group, even though it wasn't their best day, it was enough to win. We're going to get to that here with John Costco as we continue on Under the Lens on Locked On Browns. Hey, Browns fans. This is Jeff Lloyd with an incredible app who everyone buys gas needs to know about. Get upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full prices at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free. Again, use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to 300 miles a month in cash back, and there is no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash it out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card from Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. The defensive side of the ball, John. Um, another week, and it was interesting because the Steelers had declared Zach Banner back um look Zach Banner great guy but a big mountain of a man and probably starting him against the tandem of Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett it was probably a smart move not to do it um so you throw rookie David Moore out there and say hey kid we we like what we've seen so far we've seen a little promise um but obviously the young man had a tough day Miles a phenomenal day um as much as the pass rushing was there and he won a ton I think the most impressive play, John, was uh, the little pitch out where Miles was basically a step and a half into the inside. And you just saw what exactly this type of guy is as far as athlete because planted. And and look, you don't make up ground like this as a defensive end against skill players. It's not really supposed to happen that way. But 95 just cut from a different cloth. Um, Yeah, so Dan Moore Jr., the the, – Left tackle that started for the Pittsburgh Steelers in that game had a 0.0 pass grade. Um, and if you know anything about a Mr. Lutowski, if you if you know anything about a um, uh, a scale of zero to one hundred, um, that is as low as you possibly can go. Um, so he had a bad game, and it was basically because Miles Garrett. Had the best game of his career in this game, and I know it doesn't show up on like a the standard stat sheet. So like, um, he he had what I think four four pressures, one sack, two like two hits, something like that. So like those those don't pop up as like, well, that, that doesn't sound like a great game. Like you only you only got four pressures on this rookie, and what you have to do is understand that like Ben Roethlisberger. Um, got rid of the ball in record time continually in this game. I, I should I should have pulled that up uh, ahead of time to see exactly how, how quickly he was getting rid of the ball. Um, but he – Miles Garrett beat 
Dan Moore like an additional eight times uh, in this game on throws that, that were getting out of the in uh, Ben Roethlisberger's hand in under 2.2 seconds, essentially. So his time to throw in this game was 2.3 seconds. Um, his and when he was kept clean, it was 2.2 seconds. So essentially, if you had to get to him and under that amount of time, and Miles Garrett did a couple of times. But the thing is, is that like you, you if you're not if you it's out of it's out of the defensive bad you know, edge rushers control of whether or not the quarterback's getting rid of the ball that quickly or not. You think about even on that two, um, that, that game winning touchdown that the Steelers had, he whipped Dan Moore in like, like a second and a half, but they had Najee Harris there helping and basically saved uh, Ben Roethlisberger from getting smoked in the back. Um, uh, you know, he went to co-clean up that block. So we possibly grade, you know, Miles Garrett for that, that play for beating, being in his offensive tackle and it's not his fault that a they they got rid of the ball decently quickly in that one and also that he had to he got you know secondary help after winning on his on his rush so yeah i mean miles garrett was just absolutely destroyed this guy um you almost kind of feel bad for him because it's it just was it was a massacre all over he had a 94.3 pass rush grade and you know it's just it's it Pretty pretty awesome day from him rushing. Um, you just would have hoped that the rest of the defense could have made more plays, which they just kind of didn't. So, you know. We've had a lot of questions, John, relevant here. Oh, and there's one thing I did want to address. Everybody who had their concerns about Blake, Blake Hans, just understand Jack Conklin wasn't doing a goddamn thing against T.J. Watt either. So uh, that's more a testament to T.J. Watt than it is a testament to T.J. Watt. Uh, I mean, Hans. Miles Garrett is a better pure pass rusher than TJ Watt, but you could argue that TJ Watt is a better all around player because he is, he's phenomenal against the run. That that's the one weakness well, in, like, also, in terms of just consistency. Yeah. It's this consistency of, of what Miles Garrett does in the run game. Cause I think Miles Garrett's more concerned about the rush. Whereas like TJ Watt is, is, I mean, you can't like from, from a run game standpoint, he, he does, he's just a, a superior player when it comes to that. And you know, take it it's also the difference of the roles too though where you're playing an even front versus an odd front there's a lot more required of tj watt in the run game yeah yeah and he does certainly excel at it and, I'm, and but trust me i'm not knocking tj watt he's a hell of a no, player it would have been nice all... those contracts yes i mean we're literally complaining you know well my lamborghini's nicer because it's red as opposed to yours that's in jet black <laughs> right exactly exactly john um there were a lot of questions to relative uh to the run defense um and, you know, there was more playing time for Jordan Elliott and Andrew Billings. And for Andrew Billings, this this is just an experiment, experiment, experience, whatever you want to call it, that's just fatally, fatally flawed. It's just not working. The scope of this defense changed tremendously in the one year where Andrew Billings, you know, basically you know, sat out. And, you know, look, Andrew Billings, who suffers from asthma, I can 100% understand, I can 100% understand him opting out of the 2020 season. But while he did so, this defense went to, a, you know, basically a defense predicated on speed and quickness. Um, you're not going to find either of those on the calling card for Andrew Billings. Uh, but, John, it was and it wasn't it, it wasn't that they got gassed, but it was more like a Novocaine running game. It just kept coming and kept coming and it put Pittsburgh in better situations um, and it allowed Ben to not have to work the ball down the field, which in essence aided the quick release. But, you know, that's got to get better. Um, and, you know, Najee Harris, obviously a decent player, uh, you know, looks good as a young running back. Um, and it was funny, like, they're, oh, 389 yards, leading all rookie rushers. It was game seven, so that's not really that great. But, John, it was slow. 
and it was concise and it, it did everything it could basically to keep the dogs at bay and, you know, allow Pittsburgh to get the ball down the field and tire out this defense. That's, you know, essentially again, predicated on speed. Yeah. You look at the, what the Browns have done as a run defense. So they started off the season extremely well. First four weeks of the season, they had, you know, a top three run defense and grades. Um, the last four weeks they, they put up 55, 58, 64, 53 and run defensive grade. That's not going to get it done. And it's it, becoming it felt, a tell. It, it felt like the Raiders game last year where it was just like, mm-hmm. it's not the Ra- the Raiders didn't like gash them again, but like it was five yards, four yards, five yards. Four, it was just over and over and over where you just couldn't, you couldn't stop them consistently. And this is, this doesn't, this is in my opinion, pretty bad because the Steelers like run game is not a good run game. Like they, they, they only reason why Najee Harris has like all these yards and stuff like that is because the volume is there for him. But like you talk about their run blocking team, they're, they're fifth worst in the NFL. Like that's not a, that's not a, a, a an offensive line that should be pushing you around, but they were consistently bullying the defensive tackles in this game. I think Malik McDowell was, he's disruptive. He's a penetrator, but like you double team him, he's getting crumpled to the ground. Andrew Billings was getting pushed around. Malik Jackson was getting pushed around. They they were just running duo and just double teaming these defensive uh, tackles and getting four yards easily every single time. And that is not, I mean, you got to do something different there. So like they, they definitely need to upgrade whatever it is. They got to figure something out now. I mean, they're not going to be able to do anything, any sort of upgrading now, unless they, somehow trade for somebody in the next you know seven hours or whatever it is but they've they've just it it was not good it was not not good and that was they just got bullied and you know you're thinking you know andrew billings who sat out a year it's like you were you're expecting him to be able to eat those types of double teams and free up other players to be able to run free to the ball and he was just getting pushed around and he's just completely been a non-factor when it comes to the run game, which is, you know, you're kind of banking on that guy to be that. And, you know, they, they have a pat, they have a defensive line that's really good at pass rushing and pretty suspect at stopping the run. And when you can't stop the run, it just allows teams to just do what they, the Pittsburgh Steelers did. And it's not as if like, obviously 15 points, you held them to 50 points. It's, that should be good enough to win the game. But at the same time, it's like you, you, it it is demoralizing to a defense that you just oh man they, they got another first down off the run game oh now they're in, now they're in second and, and four like we just gave you know that that type of stuff it, it just wears on you and and we know this from a Browns perspective an offense perspective where they wear down opposing defenses doing the exact same thing and then the, the thing is like usually you get you know some breakout runs for the Browns but then the opposite side kind of happened this game where the run game just wasn't the run game just hasn't been there other than the the Broncos game the run game hasn't really been there the past four weeks or whatever, three weeks. So it's, it's, it's an issue for the Browns right now because they're loading boxes against them. And as you know, you load boxes, it should open up the pass game. And that's the problem with like, if you're not, your secondary is not sound right now, which it kind of isn't. So it's a snowball effect for the Browns. John, Ronnie Harrison, Ronnie Harrison last year was by far the Browns best safety. Um, basically was almost a savior, even though we missed a ton of time last year. Um, now we're talking to a player who's very undisciplined, um, not getting the job done. Um, is it that they're using him differently? 
Is it that they're asking more of him? Are they putting him in situations that he's uncomfortable with? What has happened? Because this really looked like a player that, you know, the Browns should have all eyes on as far as, you know, retaining long, lean at the safety position, you know, has the body of a linebacker, but, you know, basically carries, you know, the physique of a defensive back. Uh, it's just not going well. So I think, I think it's maybe last year it was like a more of a blip on the radar rather than a what to expect moving forward type thing. Um, when, when you're, I mean, and look at look at his first two years in Jacksonville. He was a sixty one point one as a rookie, sixty point nine as in his second year, and then he took the a, you know what we thought was all right. He's figured it out in the NFL. He's taken this this third year leap, which you kind of do see a lot of the times from players. And he was a seventy six point six, but now he's back down to a fifty four point three. So what is it that you know? What kind of player is he? He's given up six touchdowns this year. A lot of these have been like just busts, you know, which is obviously um not not good by by any means he's not really being used in, in a different role than he was last year so like you know you look at his his snap alignments and stuff like that he's he's maybe playing a little bit more in the slot this year versus being like in the box but like you know that's really not not too much of a difference and so i think for him it's just like there obviously there's been some undisciplined plays you know the the whole thing with him uh pushing the the chiefs Running backs coach in, on the sideline the first game. He, he did a late hit against Najee Harris in, this, Harris in this game. That was just brutally bad. I would say that, like, the, the touchdown he gave up was actually really good defense. It's just you have to give credit where credit's due when when Pat Fryermuth makes a catch like that. Like, that, he knocked the ball out of his hands on the initial catch, and he was able to, to second, you know, get a second grab at it and, you know, just – he, you know, give credit where credit's due, like I said. So, but I think with Ronnie Harrison, like he's got to get like his run defense has been okay this year. It's where his coverage is and and the bus and and mm. losing at the catch point type of stuff that where he was better last year. You talk about, you know, also like from a pass rush standpoint, they they did use him as a pass rusher more often. Like he got like he got eight total pressures on like sixteen pass rushers last year. This year he's only rushed like eight times and has only got one one pressure. So like maybe they need to be rushing him a little bit more to try to get generate some of those pressures off of of you know off of some uh, uh, blitzes, but you know he broke up five passes last year, had an interception, and he's only broken up two this year. You know he's given up a passer rating of one thirty nine. I, I kind of expect some things to regress back to normal. Maybe stop busting some coverages and he'll be okay. But yeah, he he just needs to start playing better. And I did actually kind of call him out and thinking that like he might be a big a big factor in this game in terms of how they if they win or lose. Kind of did give up the game winning touchdown, even though you 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 know he did play it well. So he needs to just get better. I just kind of flat out. Uh, send all complaints and inquiries to PFF lead analyst John Costco at dot dot dot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we're going to go back here, get some thoughts here from John. Um, look, it's Bengals week, and look, this is 100%. There's no way around it. Uh, Sunday is a must-have. No way around it. We're going to get some thoughts here on correcting, writing the ship with John in just a minute. We are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props odds and lines than ever before bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code locked on all caps no space to receive your bonus from basketball football 
the remaining part of the World Series, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. As much as Sunday was terrible for the Browns, uh, they did kind of get a gift um, where the Jets pulled a rabbit out of a hat. But John, this is Bengal week, um, and this is a new, new version of this Bengals team. Uh, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow kind of looks like everything that everybody was hoping Baker Mayfield, Nodell Beckham Jr. could be, but most certainly hasn't even come close to it. This is huge. If you end up at four and five, you are now, you know, solidified in the cellar of the AFC North. And look, the AFC is jam packed right now. So a two, three game win streak certainly can change anybody's outlook for the rest of the season right now. But getting to four and five, and obviously now where you're taking on water, uh, you know, whether it's on the field, off the field, nonsense of dads and wives and family members, somebody's dog is going to chime in on a TikTok here in a minute, I'm sure. Um, this team desperately needs a win. There's just no way around it. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. You, I kind of, it's, it's almost kind of like in the same situation that they were in last year uh, when they played the Bengals the first time where this team basically was coming off its worst performance of the year against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um defensively they they got this manhandled they kind of got manhandled in the run game in this one it was obviously a much closer score and a much tighter game but you, you think about how you know baker 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 definitely had his worst game of the year he did not have his worst game of the year in this this pittsburgh game but the offense as a whole definitely did and then same thing with last year so and they came back and play you know played the the, the bengals and had arguably their best game of the year um and then uh, you know we all know the game winning drive that Baker had at the, um, you know, to win it at the end. Now they need a game kind of like that, where they, they, they can put it all together and just really kind of spark their season to move it, move it forward. Because if you're right, if they lose this game, I, this game, this season's kind of over, right? Cause I think you look at what the, the rest of you know, look at the rest of their schedule. I think if you if they would have taken care of business early in the season and be at like a seven and one, six and two, or even eight and zero oh at this point, where it's you know from a from a how the games have gone standpoint, you know that you that you would think that they actually should be at like seven and one. Um, they could be at seven one, not should be, but could be that that point. A loss here is not a big deal, but a loss here now where you haven't taken care of your business against you know, closed out the games that you should have closed out kind of puts the season in jeopardy because you look at the rest of the season, you got the Patriots at new England, you know, we know what, what type of, you know, that was a game that were preseason. I was looking at and I thought at new England against a bill, Belichick defense. And, you know, who knows what their offense is going to be looking like They They actually look really good now. Um, <laughs> that, that was to me is like, okay, I can see that as a win loss toss up. And now it, you know, the way that the Browns are playing, the way the Patriots play, it's like, I don't know if they can go into to New England and, and win that game. They got the Lions, and that's an easy one. But then you got back to we got games against Ravers, Ravens, and we know that those are going to be dogfights. You you hope that you can split that. The Raiders, who who look really good despite the whole debacle with John Gruden, then the Packers, and then the, at the Steelers, and then home with the Bengals. Like that's a brutal kind of schedule, and only one gimme game in there. There's only one game that where you ex, you just totally 100 expect the Browns to be able to win that game, and 
you know, if they, if they lose this game, it kind of could, could spiral out of control for the, for the Browns um, in terms of the rest of the season. And you're talking about looking on the outside in at the, at, a, at the playoffs when teams like, you know, you're looking at, it, at this team where they, they won a playoff game last year and you, ex- you expected them to basically kind of handle business the early part of the season. And they just haven't done that. Yeah, it's gotten bad and it's gotten bad really, really fast. And look, a lot of this is going to come down to Coach Stefanski. And this is going to be, look, this as far as, you know, coaching within the locker room and coaching your roster, this is kind of your first test here. Um, Look, there's no way around it. Um, If I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm probably pretty freaking aggravated. Um, Look, you know, I I don't, you know, and look, you know, whatever everybody wants to criticize is his wife. His wife is never calling out teammates, players, et cetera. Um, now you kind of have a little bit of a line drawn in the sand here. Um, thanks to Mr. Beckham Sr. Look, we knew things weren't going well. Dad um, certainly didn't need you to, to jump in here and, and take it to this level because now it's not just a question of, of getting the play right, John. It's a question of is there now a problem within the locker room, a uh, problem within the huddle? Um, I, I think that's there's – I mean, you think about it. Think about it, right? So OBJ – comes into the league, sets a world on fire as a rookie, like basically starts off his career as like on a Hall of Fame page. Jerry Rice. <laughs> Jerry Rice, basically. He, he, right. And he comes to Cleveland and you're thinking only it's only going to go up because you're actually going to be paired with a, a legitimate quarterback now. And things have just been an absolute train wreck from a production standpoint. And it's like and people are, you know, people question your son, like, is this guy even look, like legitimately good and stuff? I, I get it from a parent's perspective on that, right? Like he's he's looking out for his son at this point because he's his son is getting trashed online and and in all in on media and blah blah blah. I get that, right? But I think I think you, you when you come to, when it comes to something like this, like you you kind of you have to part ways. Like there, his dad isn't just going to do this rogue, right? Like I don't I don't think so, right? I think it's it's I think we see the writing on the wall. I mean. And and like I'm at a at a point where it's like the way to save the season is like how are you going to mend this relationship, right? Like how are you going to try to figure out like either either it's like all right you're going to ride and die with this and it's like things are going to spiral out of control or it's like all right let's figure out how we can move on from OBJ and see if that fixes the issues because you look at what Baker Mayfield has done in his career without OBJ he has a 91 plus odd grade without OBJ he has a six in a upper 60s with obj to me it's it's plainly obvious that like it doesn't work for baker mayfield when obj is in the field for whatever reason is there a mental block he doesn't trust them uh he's he whatever it is right like maybe there's something in the good thing going on in the locker room where baker like there's something there but when obj is not on the field baker look mayfield looks like a legitimate franchise quarterback but when obj is he, he looks like a, a guy that you want to toss to the side of the road and be like listen you are just not it so cut out that variable and leave no doubt about whether or not Baker Mayfield is your guy the rest of the season. Cause if you can cut out that variable and you figure out, okay, this guy can read defenses. He can go through his progressions properly. He's, he's progressing like we thought he was going to be progressing this year. And that would be, I, I give you confidence to like, all right, let's ride it for another year. Let's get him some productive, productive, you know, some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball in, in year five for him that work well in timing of routes and stuff like that, that he can trust. So I, to me, it's, I, I, I get it from OBJ's dad's perspective. Like he's, he's, 
his son who is ultra talented you know we one of the things that we do and i know we're running out of time here one of the things that we do at pff that's new that's not public that I, you know i'm not going to go into too much detail about is we're charting separation on non-targeted routes obj is getting open at at a 70 plus percent rate against down down to field five plus yards down the field that's plenty good enough to be able to find that guy throw him the ball and, and make some productive plays right like he he's he is getting open but like there's a there's a chemistry that has to happen with the quarterback and the wide receiver, and it's clearly not there. So they need to move off of him. And to be to be honest, I don't really care if they actually cut him today, because that's what you have you you have to be able to figure out what it is that you have in your quarterback and this offense, and what you got for the rest of the season. And the thing is, is you know, how do you go to a happy medium of look, man? We're, yeah, you may be out there, but we're just not going to throw it to you. That's not going to, and this is not going to go away. Obviously, this nonsense of what's going on. Uh, he is John Costco, lead analyst from PFF. Uh, we love to go under the lens here. You know, once a week on Locked On Browns, get John's perspective, get some player grades, um, you know, and see where this Browns team's at. But make no mistake, big one next week in Cincy. Uh, appreciate everybody for making Locked On Browns your first listen, whatever platform it is. Your first, uh, we are always free and available for you. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the yellow B. Let's go Browns.